Welcome to episode 80 of Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Izagiri. And today we got another Best Picture Showdown for you guys. It's all about the 34th Academy Awards, which saw West Side Story pick up 10 wins on 11 nominations. Only three other films have won more at a single ceremony. Ben-Hur, 1959, Titanic, 1997, and The Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, 2003. Those movies all won 11, so that makes... West Side Story, the fourth most uh, decorated Oscar-winning film in history. Pretty crazy. That's a pretty crazy group <laughs> of movies. Uh, uh, I don't, you know, obviously my favorite is Lord of the Rings. I think that's what yours, yours would be as well. Uh, not a huge Titanic guy. Ben-Hur, I haven't seen in a long time. And West Side Story, let's go ahead and just kind of open up with some thoughts about the 1961 film. Um, uh, right off the bat, uh, an absolute feat when it comes to technical filmmaking, when it comes to uh, musical musical categories, when it comes to choreography and uh, the score, and some of the songs are incredible. You know, uh, the the late uh, Mr. Sondheim worked a lot on West Side Story. You know, and it's Leonard Bernstein who worked on it. I mean, it's got some all star type people working on that front. But uh, I have my qualms with it. I think it's about 45 minutes too long i think it, well i don't think i know that it's just this story that's very redundant has been done a million times through books and movies and tv shows and all kinds of mediums it's basically romeo and juliet in in new york with these two gangs the jets and the sharks uh and the most glaring problem that west Side story 1961 has is its appalling representation of puerto rican people uh, using straight up white actors like Natalie Wood and giving them honestly poorly done foundation to make them look darker, to make them look Puerto Rican. And it's at this it, 60 years later, I, I don't know how people can give this movie, you know, you know, a five out of five stars or 10 out of 10 type. I don't really get that when you have that going against it. I think in a lot of other scenarios, movies get shit on or get canceled or get just obliterated in modern society when they do things like that are that are straight up disrespectful to an entire culture. And that I have a major issue with, you know, um, I think a lot of people do, but there's also these people who hold on to this movie like it's like it's one of their own children. So I don't I don't I don't really get it. But there are great things about it. There are scenes that are like, holy shit, this looks fucking gorgeous you know the cinematography is wonderful some of the performances are pretty good some of them not so much i I just don't this late in the game you know 60 years later i don't get the the praise that it gets that critical acclaim i'm not i'm not quite sure i agree with that i'm right there with you um i've i've seen this is my second time with west side story yeah, me too. I mean, this is my second time watching it all the way through. You know, I've seen bits and pieces all over the place because yeah. it gets it gets it's thrown into montages like nobody's business. Uh, <laughs> but I yeah, this is my second time just sitting down and watching it. A lot of people consider this to be one of, if not the greatest American musical. Like this is a masterpiece to so many. And I mm-hmm. don't really understand why, apart from the, the brown face and the unbearable length of this thing how do you take it seriously? I mean, the <laughs> gangs just, you know, trying to be feared, but they're dancing and prancing around like fucking peacocks. I can't get behind that. I can't take these guys seriously as a threat. And 
I've never bought into the romance angle either because I've never really gotten behind Romeo and Juliet. I've never understood why that story is considered like the definitive love story of the ages. It's a relationship that happened for three days, got a whole bunch of people killed, and it's about lust. It's got nothing to do with love. It's about lust. And I just, you apply that to any any time, any situation, and it's still going to be just a story about young lust that isn't worth digging into that much. And I've, I, I don't know how the new one's going to measure up. I've heard it's better, which is kind of incredible. If anybody could improve on a classic like this, it's Spielberg. But um, overall, I've just, I, considering the competition that year, the reverence for this film is beyond me. I don't, I don't understand yeah yeah and uh, yeah i agree with you spielberg is probably the the guy to try to improve something that's seen as a, a total american classic uh, and I, I remember seeing the you know that initial teaser and i was like what is spielberg doing <laughs> like, you know I, like you know he he obviously knows what he's doing he's he's arguably the most important american filmmaker to ever live and changed the game many times throughout his career and is still pushing the envelope uh, I, and I, I love him. I respect him so much. And I love his admiration for, for filmmaking and, and what it is. I, I just don't, I just don't know why we keep doing this though. Why we keep rehashing stuff. And with West Side Story, there are things like the cultural stuff that you can improve. And I think that's what they're, I think that's what they really nailed from watching the trailer and seeing the different representation with the cast. You know, it's, it's people with actual Latin names and people that are actually you know have parents from different places i know the main actress her dad's from Colombia, you know and like that's that's cool you know they're getting different different types of people to, to play these roles which is how it should have been all along now you know it's a play from 1957 1961 you know that there obviously hollywood is completely different at that time but there's just there's just no excuse really for like oh now you have to fix that stuff I, I'm not going to see it. You know, it's out now. It's out in theaters. People can go check it out. I believe tomorrow will be talking a little bit about it on sneak preview. You and Caleb, I just, I, I don't, I don't have much interest. I'll wait till it comes out on a streamer and maybe I'll watch it then. Cause I know it's, you know, it's two and a half hours and I just don't, I don't, I don't have that time. <laughs> well, let's be clear. I'll be talking about it on sneak yeah. preview. Uh, there's not a snowball's <laughs> chance in hell. Caleb will ever watch this movie, which is understandable. I'm pretty much watching it because I have to. Um, I of the four films that are coming out this weekend, uh, this is the one with the best reviews, or and the one I can find. So there it is. I wanted to watch. I wanted to be Red Rocket, but that I, that is not coming out widely for a few weeks. Uh, yeah, yeah. So there it is. <laughs> yeah, Red Rocket looks fucking fascinating to me. That's Sean Baker, one of my. One of my favorite up and coming filmmakers at Tangerine and the Florida Project. I, I adore that guy. And I think that movie looks awesome. So I'm with you on that. I definitely will try to see that when it does come out here in Texas. Um, yeah, man, it's West Side Story is uh, obviously the movie we're going to be talking about most. But with these showdowns, you know, we're going to be ranking the 34th Academy Award uh, Best Picture category. We're going to be ranking all five of them. Uh, that includes the winner, West Side Story, Fanny. Uh, the Guns of Navarone, uh, The Hustler, and Judgment at Nuremberg. So it's a very interesting group, decent group, but not great. You know, we've seen better, but we've also seen worse. 
as that is true. We have seen worse, but I think it's interesting. The combination of films here that deal with especially judgment in Nuremberg, which deals directly with the horrors and consequences of racism. And then you've got West side story using Brown face. It's like pick a lane guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Yeah, you can't you can't have your hand in everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, they're playing both sides, so they always come out on top. True. Yeah, they're like, we don't we don't want to look uh we, we don't want to take a stance. Yeah. And they've done that, they've done that forever. <laughs> the academy is not, you know, not shy of doing that. Um, I do want to look at before we get to that showdown, I want to look at, you know, 11 nominations is something else, right? That's a big deal. And judgment at Nuremberg also was up for 11 and only won two. We'll have some things to say about that. Uh, West Side Story winning 10, you know, just one shy of being in that, that group that's at the very top. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, Ben-Hur, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, and Titanic. These, these are monstrous, monstrous movies. And not only were they recognized by the Academy, you know, multiple times, multiple wins, they're, they're movies that all have, have life still. You know, Ben-Hur being the oldest one, and then West Side Story, then Titanic, and Lord of the Rings or Return of the King. People love these movies. And I, I fascinating group, you know, to look at. I love, I love looking at those random statistics of the Academy and seeing what they see as greatness. And for me, the only one that's great is, is Return of the King. I adore that movie. I think it should have won fucking 15 of those bad boys. You know, it's just a masterpiece and capped off one of the greatest trilogies of all time. So maybe the greatest uh it's, that's that's another 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 episode check out episode 50 where <laughs> <laughs> we talked about lord of the rings uh, at great length but uh, i do i do want to get through these and just kind of shout them all out um i guess we can start with uh, the one nomination that it didn't win uh that'd be screenplay uh, adapted screenplay so uh, I'll, I'll let you take these away man and kind of kind of read through these and we can of course talk about the ones we've seen and you know if we think that they got it wrong or right. Sounds good. Best adapted screenplay. We have Breakfast at Tiffany's, The Guns of Navarone, The Hustler, West Side Story, and the winner, Judgment at Nuremberg. So I'm, you know, I'm I'm glad it it beat West Side Story for something. And this is a good one to, to beat it for. Uh, the story of Judgment at Nuremberg is really, you know, what makes it so unforgettable. Uh, it was definitely a clean win there for me. Yeah, I don't think there's much competition. Uh, I, I uh, have you seen Breakfast at Tiffany's? The one I haven't watched yet. I'm I've been off put by that because I know it's yeah. gonna piss me off. So I haven't sat yeah. through that. It's good. It's all yeah. It's got its issues. It does has not aged very well in some scenarios, but it also got has some great great stuff in it. Uh, I do I do like it. I don't love it. I like it. I think the Hustler would probably be second place here. Yeah. Uh, Robert Rossman and Sidney Carroll. That's a, that's a nice screenplay. I do think the hustler would, would benefit from being a little bit tighter and a little bit shorter. Yeah. Uh, and may, maybe less, maybe a little bit less dialogue and more, more show. Um, but uh, yeah, I love that movie. We'll be talking about it more and more as we go. But yeah, this is, this, this is easy to me. Judgment at Nuremberg is a borderline masterpiece and 
may be a masterpiece. It's, it's three hours long, but you don't, you don't care because it's so worth, worth your time. Every performance is pretty much a knockout. I, I, yeah. Rewatching that was like an honor. <laughs> that movie's, that movie's very, very good. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be talking about that one as well. You know, it's got, it's got 11 nominations, which is cool, right? It's cool that they shouted it out, uh, that many times, but yeah, just two wins, uh, two big categories though, that it got wins in. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I'm, I'm, I guess we're not going to be talking about, uh, best actor considering there was no West side story. Didn't have any contenders there, but, uh, well, no, Maximilian I mean, shell yeah. deserve that award. So like, his performance brings tears to my eyes. I mean, just, you know, having to be the, the German defending Germany, like after world war two to have that weight on your shoulders. God, I can't imagine. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, Spencer Tracy is fantastic too, as, as the judge, uh, as judge, uh, Dan Haywood, he is, he is Spencer Tracy's a fucking treat to watch. And so is Max. So is, Burt Lancaster, good fucking lord. Uh, Montgomery Clift, Judy Garland, like everybody's just fucking bringing the heat in that movie. And it's, it, if you haven't seen Judgment Nuremberg, I would even advise you to just stop listening and go watch that movie. It is, it is, a, it is to me, there's a couple from this year, and there's, I think there's some movies outside of, outside of the uh, ceremony here. That is a absolute, for cinephiles, a absolute must see. Yeah, well said. Um, now the the ten that West Side Story did win, uh, yes, <laughs> best scoring of a musical picture, which was an old award. It evolved into best original score after there stopped being like five or six musicals a year. Thank you, Hello Dolly. <laughs> um, we have Babes in Toyland, Flower Drum Song, Kovenshtina, Kovenshtina, Russian something. Uh, Paris Blues and the winner West Side Story. I mean, yeah, best musical score. Come on, of course, <laughs> of course, West Side Story is going to take this one. Yeah, I, I can't believe I haven't seen Paris Blues. That kind of blows my mind. You know, it's got Paul Newman, uh, Sidney Poitier, Louis Armstrong. Like, I got, I got to see this movie. Duke Ellington providing the score. I got, I got to see this. This is right Damn. up my alley. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I really don't know what I've been doing with my life that I haven't seen this. Uh, Set in Paris, uh, yeah, starring uh, Sidney Poitier plays a uh, saxophonist in the movie. I, I got to see this. Yeah, that sounds like everything you love poured into one film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I need, I need to check it out. I've seen it on, I think it's been on Criterion or HBO Max or something, and I just haven't got around to it. Shame on me. <laughs> There's a lot of films out there. <laughs> yeah, no it's, kidding. It's hard to prioritize. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. It is. And, you know, and, you know, I wanted to shout out, uh, speaking of like music and movies, um, one of the best, one of the better, uh, I can't speak at, at length about, about guys like this, but Greg Tate, uh, he passed away recently, uh, a couple of days ago, I believe. Well, we're recording this on Saturday. Yeah. A couple of days ago. Uh, and he, he was a, a voice in pop culture and music and movies and, and, and whatnot. And just, just has this uncanny ability to, to capture exactly how we feel, how the audience feels about, about listening to music and specifically, you know, in movies and things like that. And he has right now, I'm going to check it out soon. He has right now a, uh, a little 
tidbit on Criterion within this uh, Curtis Mayfield scored movies uh, collection that's on Criterion, and there's a Greg Tate little commentary. Uh, I'm dying. I'm dying to get to that because you know, uh, it, it, I, I hate to be one of those people, but when someone passes away, it causes you to really, really look at their life and look at their work. And he's one of those guys that I've always been kind of enamored by. And now I, I really want to dig in. And so something like Paris blues, I feel like is in that, in that world, in that, you know, that vicinity. So I, uh, I'm always interested in stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Definitely a good shout there. Uh, best film editing. We have Fanny, the guns of Navarone judgment at Nuremberg, the parent trap, and the winner, West Side Story. The Parent Trap. What, a, what an odd duck here. Uh, the original one, not the Lindsay Lohan movie. Um, <laughs> weird. I guess because of the split screen, probably. Pretty novel <laughs> idea back then. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. But it, it, this, has to, this has to either go to West Side Story or Judgment. Uh, there's... There's stuff in Nuremberg, some some subtle stuff, especially towards the beginning of the film, that's for its time, just crazy and totally ahead of it, ahead of ahead of the game. And I really, really was impressed by, you know, I I had seen it, you know, um, we did a big Judy Garland episode on Filmgasm a long time ago now, and yeah. so rewatching it, you know, I I didn't forget how powerful it was, but I forgot how precise and how good of a film it is overall. And how it, how it how it moves seamlessly and for three hours, you know that's not not easy to do. So I, I would say, sure, West Side Story, it's got some great stuff going on, but I also think Judgment has has a has a place there. I think for pace alone, Judgment at Nuremberg takes this. Uh, West Side Story, apart from the songs, is a is a slog. Whereas <laughs> I've never I wasn't bored once in Judgment at Nuremberg. Yeah. I feel that. I feel that a lot. Yeah, it's always fun when a movie that's two and a half or three hours feels better than a movie that's, you know, hour and 30 or two hours, you know. And for West Side Story, two and a half hours, you know, it just, it's not even close. <laughs> no, it is not. Best sound. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's never going to not bother me. It's never going to not. Yeah, I just chuckle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> The Children's Hour, Flower Drum Song, The Guns of Navarone, The Parent Trap, again, and the winner, West Side Story. Uh, okay, best sound. If we're talking sound editing, sound mixing, creating a perfect sound, I understand the impulse to want to give this to the musical. Music is sound. I understand that. <laughs> However, to me, this goes to The Guns of Navarone. Yeah, yeah, same here. You know, this is a heads up for both of us. Uh, I I'm not familiar with a flower drum song or children's hour and parent trap. I think I'm good. So if it's a heads up between Navarone and, and West side story, I, I think, I think I was, you know, watching all these movies, you know, uh, saw Fanny for the first time, Navarone for the first time. Uh, and the other three was rewatching to some extent and I, uh, Fanny yikes, but I was blown away by Navarone. I had no idea what I was getting into. I had no idea the cast was just fucking lights out. Yeah. And I didn't know, I didn't know that there was going to be uh, specifically that scene when um, you have uh, Gregory Peck, uh, you know, and Anthony Quinn and Anthony Quayle, they're climbing up the, those rocks. There's some crazy shit going on in that scene that could have, 
it could have made that it could have like fucking made the movie just falter but instead it's like no like it, it's really holding up you know if you, if you make a scene like that now it's just not nearly as difficult you know but 60 years ago this is it's a feat that scene is a feat and there's multiple moments like that in the movie where you're you're just kind of like wait a minute this is 1961 we're talking about most of these films are filmed probably in 1960 you know and it's just just seamless and that's crazy navarone is a damn good film it's on netflix right now yes i'm gonna save uh i have a lot of a lot of thoughts on the guns of navarone i'm gonna save that when we get to the to the uh showdown yes um best costume design color we have babes in toyland backstreet flower drum song pocket full of miracles and the winner west side story i haven't seen any of these films so i i can't judge who deserved this one uh on costume design yeah yeah, yeah and 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 i'm not i'm, I'm not the, this is one of my favorite parts of West Side Story is when we see, you know, uh, fucking uh, Riff, you know, and he, he's, you know, him and his boy, him and his boys, the Jets are all in their kind of street clothes. And he tells them, you got to look sharp at that dance tonight. And, you know, it cuts to that scene at the gym where they're at the dance and the sharks are there. Everything looks fucking spectacular, you know, and you're those are the moments where you're like, OK, I get I get this. I get this. And I, I love that it captures that time and place, you know, it captures kind of, you know, there's a little bit of a beatnik stuff going on, you know, kind of that, that, that Bob Dylan like type dressing and uh, you know, th- those guys from that era, 50s, 60s, 70s that, that I do really like, you know, I really dig. And I do think the new film Spielberg's is going to take that to the next level. Right. And that is one thing I do respect a lot from West Side Story is how cool everybody looks and how well everything kind of flows together as far as that, that production stuff, costume, all those technical awards. I get it. I get it. Well, musicals are always, you know, scooping up the technical awards for the pageantry of it. Yeah. Uh, and that's just, you know, that makes sense. Uh, so, yeah, good job on taking costume design there. Yeah, Jack, uh, uh, Riff Riff goes from looking like Jack Kerouac to like Elvis Presley within minutes. So, very cool, <laughs> very cool. Uh, best art direction color, we've got Breakfast at Tiffany's, El Cid, Flower Drum Song, Summer and Smoke, and of course the winner West Side Story. Uh, production design, yeah, of course, another thing musicals tend to really go for. Uh, in fact, I think that's kind of why I tend to dis not always get on board with these ones, especially the 20th century epic musicals. I think it's because they sacrifice so much for the sake of pageantry. So much goes into the costume design and the art design and the music that little things like story and characters are kind of left to the wayside. (laughs) Little things. Yeah. 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 And you know me, um, musicals are, it's one of the last genres I'm going to turn to in my spare time when I'm watching movies for myself. There's very few. I love some, you know, I love like Sweeney Todd and all that jazz or two, two movies I, I adore. And I'll always shout out when it comes to musicals, but very rarely am I like, Oh man, it's two o'clock on a Wednesday. Let's fucking put on a musical. You know, that's just not, it's not what I do. It's not, it's not my bag. And West Side Story is about as theater and musical as it can get. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, 
makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say that if Spielberg hadn't been remaking this, we probably wouldn't be talking about this today. No, 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 yeah, no, I, I love doing um, Best Picture Showdown specifically. I like doing them based around something. You know, there's so many movies to choose from. Of course, I want to handpick, you know, handpick movies that I love. And I have done that here and there. You know, we've done Moonlight. We've done Kramer vs. Kramer. We've done The Apartment. Movies I fucking own and I love. And yeah. I, will always, I will always stand by. But you do have to, with, with what we're doing, we want to knock out every single Best Picture winner. It, it, you know, occasionally you're going to get the Hamlets. <laughs> you're going you're, you're gonna to get the, the Hamlet 1948. You're going to get the West Side Story 1961. You're going to get the Driving Miss Daisy 1989. You're going to get the Crash 2005. Like, it's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen. Yeah, them's the breaks, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the Oscars are run by people and people are flawed. Yeah, very, very much so. Uh, best cinematography, color. God, this show must have been like five, six hours long when they had every category separated by color and black and white. Yeah, rubbish. <laughs> um, we have Fanny uh, by Jack Cardiff, Flower Drum Song by Russell Meddy, A Majority of One by Harry Stradling. One-Eyed Jacks by Charles Lang, and the winner, West Side Story by Daniel L. Fapp. Uh, again, haven't seen these movies apart from Fanny, which I don't think should take anything home. Uh, and then West Side Story cinematography. Sure. Okay. One-Eyed Jacks. One-Eyed Jacks. I, I, I've owned that movie for quite some time. Very good. Very good movie. That would, that would get my vote from a, like a bias standpoint. But... <laughs> uh, West Side Story, and I'll be speaking about this with my awards for sure. There are some shots that I just i i get i get kind of oozy about. I'm like, oh my god, that looks fucking unreal, <laughs> you know. And it, its use of New York is just stellar at times. So I I, I understand this one. Uh, but Fanny, good night. Why? 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 <laughs> Jesus Christ. I wish that there was like a petition to have certain films removed from Oscar consideration in the past. I would be filling that shit out for Fanny, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Fanny sundowners. (laughs) (laughs) There's, there's definitely a few we've covered on this show that we're just like, what? Well, and and I I just, I just brought up Hamlet from 1948, you know, that loses to like uh, treasure of the Sierra Madre and snake pit. and like red shoes what are we doing <laughs> these movies are fantastic like let's just take this one out you know just get it the fuck out of here yep ah it's good to it's good to kind of you know talk about this shit like it's not you know god's gift to film and just another movie that's i think that's that's like one of my favorite things to do on this podcast is to treat every movie like it's just another movie because they yeah. are indeed like, yeah, not every film deserves reverence, and it's time to talk about them. Yeah, I agree. Uh, best director. This is a very interesting group here. We've got Federico Fellini for La Dolce Vita, J. Lee Thompson for The Guns of Navarone, Robert Rossin for The Hustler, Stanley Kramer for Judgment at Nuremberg, and the winner, the first time two people have won this award, Robert Weiss and Jerome Robbins for West Side Story. Uh, they beat Fellini. Interesting. Um. <laughs> yeah yeah but it, this is this is stanley kramer's like there's there's no way uh 
no way anybody should be taking that from him. Robert Rawson's the only one that I think has a has a say, and even then, it's not very close. One hundred percent, yeah. Stanley Kramer, who has over the course of this, I I've started <laughs> I've started kind of quantifying my life in terms of you know as especially with movies as pre and post film gasm. So (laughs) like one of my favorite things about my post film gasm movie experience has been finding Stanley Kramer who Mm. has done some incredible movies that I will never forget. And judgment in Nuremberg is his masterpiece. Uh, And I, I will never understand how West side story has kind of pushed this movie out of the limelight uh, forever. (laughs) So I want to reclaim that as often as I can. Yeah, I, I feel I feel that. Uh, I think I think I I'm the exact same way when it comes to the pre post doing the doing these shows. And there's been things that I've discovered that I should have known. Right? You know, you you feel like, oh, how did I not know this? And then and then there are things like, okay, I get it. You know, this is old old Hollywood. This is this is pre Hayes. You know, this is Hayes Code era and whatnot. And these are things that I, I, I'm young. So I, I, at some point I have to learn them. And yeah. Stanley Kramer's Stanley Kramer's also at, somewhere at the top of my list. And then, uh, uh, Burt Lancaster who's in Nuremberg has become one of my favorite actors of all time through doing this show specifically. Uh, I think, I think we're in agreement on probably the best, best actor win we've ever seen is, is Mr. Burt Lancaster and Elmer Gantry just a year before West Side Story wins. Uh, just, just a, fucking clinic he's putting on and i really think it's him and daniel day lewis for there will be blood that are just like everyone else can fuck off (laughs) which is funny because it's the same fucking character exactly daniel plainview doesn't have that soul but elmer gantry still has it it's 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 daniel daniel day lewis and paul dano combined Do doing doing a bit of uh you know uh Daniel D. Lewis is like fuck religion and Paul Dano's like religion is everything and Elmer Gantry's like fucking fuck it all up <laughs> capitalism uh, Christianity let's just do it all yeah <laughs> oh, beautiful but yeah Stanley Kramer for judgment uh should have taken this and I can't speak for La Dolce Vita because Fellini uh I'll probably never go back unless I'm forced to. <laughs> I, I will make you do it again at some point. <laughs> I know. I know. One day it's going to happen. I'm going to get that. Text yeah. Like, Fuck. Yeah, but you, you, you liked La Strada. Come on. Come on. I did, but I didn't care for the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand. I understand. I do like him a lot. I haven't seen that one. I like him a lot. I've seen four or five of his films, and I, I, I have, I've enjoyed them all. My favorite, I don't know. I really like La Strada. I really like Amara Cord. I, I, I love Eight and a Half. He, uh, he's, he's just, uh, one of those names that just pops out for like, Oh, I went to film school, you know? And I always was like, fuck that. But you know, his movies are actually pretty good. <laughs> Cause I, I, I'm not, I'm not someone who's ever, ever gone to any sort of class for, for movies, nor will I probably ever. And I've had to figure this stuff out on my own. And I, I eventually learned that there's a reason he gets talked about. He is, he is, uh, First off, he's an egotistical maniac, like most big time, you know, uh, art, art house filmmakers. And uh, I do like his stuff. I like his style. So and I, I love what he does with actors. Well, that's cool. I wish I had that because I, I can't break through. I can't. 
and I am trying. Believe me, I have I have tried. There's some filmmakers I just can't back. Yeah, I I totally get that. I'm, I'm with that. Ah, best supporting actress we have: Faye Bainter for The Children's Hour, Judy Garland for Judgment at Nuremberg, Latelenia for The Roman Spring of Mrs. Stone, Una Merkel for Summer and Smoke, and the winner. Rita Moreno for West Side Story, a actual Puerto Rican, which is a nice, refreshing change of pace for the 60s. Yeah, and she's great. She's fucking great in West Side Story. Uh, I, I, yeah, I really, really like her. Uh, Judy Garland, talk about Pete Check just coming in, showing up, fading away, coming back even stronger. That's my favorite thing about Nuremberg is it's like watching... It's like watching a hockey team that's just uh, just hitting on all cylinders and they're doing line changes and everybody who comes in is like on their game. When Montgomery Clift comes in, it's like, oh my God. And it's just enough, you know? You, you want more, but you don't need more because that, 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 that bit is, is plenty to know exactly what's going on with his character and what's going on in that courtroom. And Judy Garland's the exact same way. She is fucking dynamite in that movie. Yeah, absolutely. And this was at a time when, you know, her career was considered to be washed up. She was considered to be just kind of like in her twilight years. And she she brought it home one last time. And that mm-hmm. that's that's pretty admirable. Yeah, I'm so glad we more you uh, decided to put that on our watch list for that Judy Garland episode, because I I just, I, I don't know when I would have seen this movie, you know, uh, it holds a very impressive 4.1 overall rating on letterbox. People still, people who have seen it respect the hell out of it for a reason. And she's a big part of it. Oh yeah. Big time that oh, I can't wait to talk about that at length. Um, <laughs> yeah. so my vote goes to Judy Garland. Me, me too. Uh, I, you know, I'm with you. I haven't seen the three others, but heads up. I love what Rita Moreno's doing. She brings a light to that movie to West Side Story that's very, very necessary. And she also brings the thunder towards the end. Uh, and and I, I love her performance. But yeah, Judy, this is Judy's. Nice. Yes. Uh, best Supporting Actor. Uh, this is going to be tough. Right. Yeah, I don't, like, I don't like this one. One goddamn bit. We've got Montgomery Clift for Judgment at Nuremberg. Peter Falk for Pocket Full of Miracles. Jackie Gleason for The Hustler. George C. Scott for The Hustler. <coughs> And the winner, George Shakiris for West Side Story. <laughs> Jack Gleason. What a absolute piece of shit in real life. But God damn, does he fucking sell it as Minnesota fats? I <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I love love Minnesota fats. But this time, you know, I love the hustler. It's the movie I've seen the most from this group from 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 the year 1961. I just adore it. Owned it, owned it for a long time. I got it for like $1 at half price books one time just because I, I saw the cover. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. I mean, fucking pool, Paul Newman in the sixties. Yeah. It's like the most gorgeous man on earth at the time. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, this time watching it, I think I even texted you. I was like, dude, George C. Scott is, is that, you, you know, when you, you, you make a drink and then you fucking mix it with something and it's just like, oh shit, that hits just right. George C. Scott is that mixer. He is, when he takes a bigger role later in the movie, he fucking owns the movie from there on out for me. He's amazing and brings this. He, he always, 
there's no one like him. There never will be anybody like him. No one has, <laughs> no one has balls big enough to be like George C. Scott. He's, he's a lights out performer who can do all kinds of genres, you know, as we've seen, you know, of course we did our patent episode, right? You know, uh, our, well, five easy pieces. And we talked a lot about patent from 1970 and you're like, Oh my God, that guy's just a fucking superstar. But then he can, he can do the supporting thing come in and out just as well. And Burt Gordon, this slime ball, like bookie slash, you know, gambling expert, this guy who's, Clearly, you know, there's there's underlying themes of him being some kind of womanizer, and there's some dark stuff later in the film. Like, I just like, oh my god, Bert Gordon has so many layers that you can unpack. Yet, yet there's only so much material to really look at, and he's fascinating. I love George C. Scott. No one has the gravitas like him. I really don't think we'll ever see anybody like him again. There, Hollywood's too fucking. Too, like I'll, I'll I'll say it. I don't care. You know, I, it's like too weak at this point to have a George C. Scott. He is in a class of his own when it comes to his style. So I I would give it to him. Uh, I, I I love love Jackie Gleason, Montgomery Clift. It, it's it's an incredible performance, but it's 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 not. It doesn't have a lot of meat to it. It's very important. You know that 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 big scene he's in is very important and very huge. And the way Maximilian is playing off of him is like, holy buckets. It's, it's worth watching the movie for until you see the next performance, right? But C. Scott takes the hustler to this different place later in the movie, and I have to give it to him for that. Now, Mr. Mr. Bernardo uh, in West Side Story, he is the most appalling of all the characters in, in West Side Story. Not because not of how the character's written or whatever, but that makeup, when you first see him, you're like, oh my God. Like, well, how did they think this would age 60 years later? Look at this guy. It looks like a joke in his hair. <laughs> he's the one that he, he's, he's a great dancer. He could, he can do all that stuff really well. And it's not really his fault, but good Lord, whoever was applying the foundation and applying the makeup to him uh, on set should have been fired. <laughs> it's, it's so sad. You know, I, I watched it with my fiance, Brianna. She had never seen it before. And she was like immediately put off. She was like, "What is that? <laughs> what what is going on with that guy? It's so obvious, you know." Some of the others in the sharks, you're like, "Huh, I don't know," but with him, it's so obvious and so appalling. I just I cannot I cannot give him the win. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous, and it does hold this film back so much. Uh, yeah, I. I think it's cool we're both going the hustler on this one. Yeah, George C. Scott was a powerhouse who didn't give a fuck. I mean, a guy who would give the same level of commitment to Patton that he would for The Exorcist 3 is yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love him in The Hustler as this kind of just slimy background character, but Jackie Gleason is like the pool hustling Darth Vader. Like he yeah. is just, there's something so sinister and superior about his character like he knows he's the greatest pool player on earth he doesn't need you to tell him like mm-hmm. it's it's this arrogance that i just love and uh, i don't care for jackie gleason he was, he was a bastard but that performance I, I fucking adore yeah yeah me too he's great that the the that bit in the hustler at the beginning when they're playing for 25 hours straight and and minnesota is just fucking playing his ass he's like i know exactly what i'm doing 
And I love when I love when uh, Burt Gordon's like, "You're a fucking loser." <laughs> <laughs> to to saying that to Paul Newman, can you imagine? <laughs> oh, so good. That movie rocks. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big time. Uh, and that takes us to Best Picture, where we've got. All right. Fanny, The Guns of Navarone, The Hustler, Judgment at Nuremberg, and The Winter West Side Story. And we have ranked these. <laughs> yes, yes, we have. Yeah, five to one. You know the drill. This is what we do. Uh, I told Connor before we started recording, there's some somewhere deep inside me thinks that we might have the exact same countdown. I don't know for sure, but there's something was telling me when I was writing them down uh, last night as I was finishing the last movie I watched for, for doing my homework for this episode. I was just like, I think we might be on the exact same page here, which has never happened. That's never happened. Ah, well, maybe it'll happen tonight. Here we go. Let's find out. What's your number five? My number five is Fanny. Fuck that movie. Yep. Yeah. Big fat four for me. Uh, just a joke. One of the worst movies I've ever seen. Not just Best Picture nominees. This thing is ridiculous. And I found out it's a, it was a, a musical that got turned into a drama film without the music. And I'm like, who thought that was a good idea? I mean, you need the music for this thing to make any goddamn sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fan- Fanny is uh, on Peacock. Peacock. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and is two hours and fifteen minutes. But it took me three or four sittings just to get through, and I never, I never wanted to get back to it. I was like, oh, I have to do this. I fucking have to do this. And I, I, I don't necessarily feel that way about any of the other four films. This one's bad. It's, it, it is, I would have to really look at it, go back and look at all of our uh, showdowns, but it might be the worst Best Picture nominee I've ever seen. I would sit through the Sundowners, Sons and Lovers, Chariots of Fire, and Hamlet again if, I, if it meant I never had to watch Finney. Yeah, I, I'm probably, yeah, I'm probably, yeah. Oh, it's four movies, Christ. <laughs> All right, I'll, 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 go, I'll go further. I will watch Faces, A Woman Under the Influence, I'm Record, and Eight and a Half again. Well, yeah, feed me that shit. I love those four movies. Uh, yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. Fanny is the kind of movie that makes you wonder, why am I doing this for two and a half hours? Or, you know, why am I doing this? And, and, and the reason is because you, 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 we've done episodes before. I'll bring up Five Easy Pieces again. We skipped a movie that year. Uh, or that that episode, and we both edited it big time. We were like, "Fuck, I just don't feel complete. I don't feel right doing this episode." And and we 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 made you know we made a pact. We're never going to do that again. Anytime we're talking about a best picture winner or something in that category, we're going to try to watch them all. Yeah. And from then on out, we we've done exactly that. And that means you got to watch the fannies of the world and. These are the, these, I've said this before, these are the movies that uh, are, this is the kind of movie where you scratch your head and you're like, why would I even pay attention to the Oscars if this is the kind of movie that's in there? And then you're yeah. like, oh, okay. And, and then you watch the others and you're like, okay, okay. I can, I, I can forgive you guys. <laughs> well, it's just like, I mean, <laughs> the, the story of this movie is a, a girl is in love with this dude who wants to be a sailor tells him on the eve that he's supposed to leave. And and he's like, well, I guess I'll just sleep with you instead. And then leaves her pregnant. And she decides to marry a rich guy who loves her anyway. He's like, I can't have kids. You're going to have my baby. And then somehow the initial guy's dad gets involved 
and is like, that is my baby too. Like none of that made any sense. No. Like, and you don't feel connected to anybody. There's these weird little moments, like the guys like putting a rock in a hat and waiting for people to kick it. Like it's so bad and it just keeps going. And I, I just, I couldn't believe it. Like it took me two weeks to watch this movie. I'm so glad we didn't have to rent this one or I would have had to rent it like three, four times. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, the biggest surprise I had, the most, the, the biggest letdown was, you know, Charles Boyer, we did an episode on a gaslight and I was like, yeah. fucking hell, this guy is, yeah. is something I've, this is something I, I've uh, heard about a guy I've heard about and now I've unleashed it on my own mind. And now I'm like, ah, take a couple steps back. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> this movie sucks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Easily, easily. Number five. Yeah. It's a, it's like a three or four out of 10 type movie. Just not good. Yep. Straight up. I think on my review, I gave it a four and it took me forever to review it. Cause I was like, how do I even talk about this movie? Yeah. Like, I don't even remember what it was about. And it just ended. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's how I should feel about shitty Christmas movies. Not fucking a best picture nominee. Come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> yeah. What a, what a shame. Especially when, I, I mean, like, you know, I can't speak for breakfast at Tiffany's, but it definitely has longevity and maybe that should have been there or anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Literally anything. I, I like, I'll, I'll watch the Mark. I'll watch the, the Mark with Stuart Whitman. Like anything, give me anything else. There's gotta be something better, better than this. Uh, I had to, after watching Fanny, uh, I'm doing a personal rewatch uh of paul thomas anderson's movies because his new one uh licorice pizza is out you know in new york and los angeles uh and will be out uh, i think it's christmas day in more theaters not a lot but more uh nationwide and so anytime i get the chance to kind of go back through pta's work he's my favorite director of all time i've so i've been doing that I immediately was like, I need to watch Boogie Nights because I, I, I need, I need, I, I need fun. <laughs> I, I need, I need to just wash this from my entire brain. And Boogie Nights is fucking like almost three hours long. And I kid you not, I went through that with ease after watching Fanny because it's like uh, uh, it's just night and day. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, man. I think a film's pace is everything. It can, you know, a three-hour film can feel like. 20 minutes or an hour and a half can feel like an eternity. It really, yeah. you, need to, you need to get that right or your movie's going to be fucked. Yeah. And in this case, Fanny's fucked. What's your number four? <laughs> My number four is West Side Story. Same here. <laughs> yeah. We've, we've laid out a lot of our problems with this movie already. I'm sure we'll go deeper into it once we get to our awards, uh, which was hard for me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this film is just, it doesn't, it hasn't aged well. It's use of brown face is appalling. The songs are pretty much the only catchy thing about it. And the dancing gangs just make me laugh. I don't see them threatening in the slightest. No, especially 10 years later, you get, you know, the Godfather. <laughs> and you're like, ah. <laughs> well, also like, I know that like a lot of people point out like, oh, it's exaggerated. It's a musical. It's supposed to be goofy. Yeah, but Sweeney Todd is exaggerated as well. And I am still fucking terrified of this guy. Like that movie still keeps its, you know, heart. It still it still accomplishes its goal. Whereas West Side Story just kind of expects you to be on board almost. It's like 
here, here's a masterpiece. Enjoy it at your peril. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll definitely be talking about that more as we get into the awards, just that, that, that part of it, how it's like very much directed towards like theater people and people and theater kids definitely at the time and theater kids now 60 years later who are like, Oh, I want to do that. But then, but then you got people who are just straight up movie fans who are like, um, I've seen gangster films and this is not it. (laughs) Well, I've seen musicals. I enjoy, I've seen gangster films. I enjoy, I've seen love stories. I enjoy. And this film is kind of like just a poor example of all three of those in my opinion. Yeah. What, what, what's your, what's your rating of this movie overall? Six. Yeah. I, I give it a seven. I do. And I'll, I, again, I, 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 when we get to our awards, I'll talk a little bit more about what I, what I really enjoy about it. Uh, that, that has nothing really to do with those things. It, it's more from a cinematic standpoint, not a gangster musical or love story standpoint. So yeah. Yeah. Seven uh, closer to a six than an eight though, you know? Yeah. Yep. It was a seven until this viewing. And I'm like, I don't like this that much. <laughs> I dropped it. <laughs> I love that. That's fantastic. Okay. So you got, so far you got Fanny out of four. West Side Story to six. Not looking good. What's your number three? My number three is the guns of Neverone. Same. <laughs> oh, let's go. <laughs> um, I went into this one with low expectations, frankly. Um, yeah. But then I remembered like th- there was a subgenre of film that came about after World War II that we don't really see anymore, the war adventure. Films like Kelly's Heroes and The Great Escape and Guns of Navarone. Like, it's a badass genre that I just can't get enough of. Like, every war adventure I've seen, I've been like, this is awesome. And this movie is so cool with such a great cast and a great concept and a fantastic ending. Like, I was blown away. Yeah. Yeah, and this is, this is one of those movies that is two and a half hours but you're you're in you're in for it you know and like you said that finale especially fucking my man anthony quinn who steals the show every time he's on the screen i i love love his his ending uh his character's ending is so cool to me and i'm with you this is like watching fucking avengers in 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 war you know i mean gregory peck david niven Anthony Quinn, Stanley Baker, Anthony Quayle, like this cast is fucking badass. And I would love to see more movies like this. I think, you know, a cat and to give people who aren't as, as familiar with those names, maybe that would be like fucking Leo and Bradley Cooper and like massive people being in a war adventure movie all at the same time. That would be like, feed me. I love that shit. These guys weren't like a lot of these guys weren't B movie actors. They were Academy Award winning like superstars. I mean, David Niven and Gregory Peck and Anthony Quinn were big stuff in the 60s. And this was just awesome. Um, the scene where they find out, figure out who the spy is and it's the oh. girl and they like they straight up kill her. Like there's no like record. It's like this is war or is hell. Like we will lose this if she lives and yeah. to have to make that decision. There's so many movies here that were so ahead of their time. And there's other movies that are holding it fucking back. And it's such a damn shame to see this. Uh, But yeah, I was very impressed with this. I liked it a lot. Uh, I would definitely watch this again. Yeah, me too. I have no problem watching this again. Uh, I, I, I'm with you. My, that's my favorite scene of the movie is when David Niven is looking at Gregory Peck and he's like, fuck you. 
you step up and do it, you bastard. You're supposed to be our leader. And Gregory Peck's like, ah, uh, I thought I was in Roman Holiday. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and it's just so cool seeing these people all, all in the same film. Love, love, really, really enjoyed it. It's a solid eight for me. I really liked this one. Yep. Eight for me as well. Definitely a fun Very one. And it is um, streaming on Netflix right now if you want to check this out for yourself. Yeah, definitely, definitely do that. Uh, yeah, we don't want to give away too, too much because maybe one day we'll do our own episode on it. We'll rewatch it. And, you know, I, I hope people check it out. Like you said, Netflix is a, a powerhouse. I don't really know many people who don't have it. So go ahead and do that. Uh, here we go. Number two and number one. This is where we'll really find out uh, if we have the same, same shit here. What's your number two? My number two is The Hustler. Fucking same. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well done. <laughs> I love it. Oh, this movie is cool. <laughs> like, there's no other word to describe this movie. It's fucking cool. Smooth. It's, yeah. Oh, it's smooth. It's like a it's like a perfect, just you know, two fingers of whiskey straight, goes down smooth, snapping your fingers to some jazz. Like this is the movie of like. 1960s Paul Newman like it's it's what you envision when you think of him mm-hmm. and the character of Eddie Felson is just so fucking upbeat so easy to like it's yeah. despite the fact that he's a kind of a fuck up and extremely arrogant but all he wants to do is be the best he wants to be the greatest pool player in the world and how do you become the greatest pool player in the world you beat the greatest pool player in the world <laughs> and yeah. that's all he wants to do and it's just, it's so stylized. The music is awesome. And just how do you not love this movie? It's so enjoyable. And uh, just, yeah, really badass. And I'm glad that yeah. uh, thanks to our Scorsese episode a while back, I finally watched The Color of Money and got to see the next stage of Eddie Felson's life. And that was cool. But didn't hold a candle to The Hustler. No, no, I, I don't think it, I, I love the color of money, but yeah, the hustler is, is in a class of its own. It's essential sixties, uh, American filmmaking. You got, you like, you have to see this movie. It, it, there's just not a lot of things you can even argue with about it. You know, it's just, it's just awesome. And cool is the best way to describe it. Uh, I, I do love how Paul Newman, you know, there's, there's few guys throughout history, uh, that, that are able to, look or, or dress like poor right and be poor and be down in the gutter and you're still like i don't care like that i want i'm on i'm betting on that guy like that guy that guy just doesn't believe anybody can can compete with him and that that to start your movie with with him walking in to challenge minnesota fats and they play for 25 hours in a in a pool hall where you're not supposed to gamble <laughs> they, they, they they're just like fuck you this is what we're doing you know and i love the language that this movie creates uh i did a lot of research about the hustler i we will at some point do a do a straight up episode on the hustler straight straight pool <laughs> i love that <laughs> I, I love i love when he goes and plays uh finley played by fucking murray hamilton uh-huh, uh yeah the great, the great mayor, uh, in Jaws, <laughs> he's, uh, he's drinking away. He's having fun. And he's like, Oh no, I don't play pool. I play billiards. <laughs> it's a completely different game with just four pockets and, you know, one in each corner. And you know, you, you play with uh, three balls and 
that's where you have George C. Scott's best stuff, you know, and George C. Scott's like, man, you're a fucking loser. You always were, you know, we owe this guy all this money and he knows what he's doing. He knows he has to get Eddie angry to come back and he wins fucking 12 grand off this guy. It's so, so awesome. I love gambling movies. I love movies about like gaming. I love movies about uh, like character studies about guys like fast Eddie. It just has everything that I want. But with that being said, Judgment at Nuremberg has to be the best movie from this, this bunch. It is the hustler. You should see, you should check it out. Anybody who hasn't seen it, like you're missing out on a lot of fun. Judgment at Nuremberg is a, is a fucking class. Like sit down, take your goddamn notes and pay attention. I understand if someone's like, Oh, well, I like the hustler better. Yeah. Because you're not going to fucking cry during it. And you're not going to realize how shitty humanity is while (laughs) watching, while watching it. When you watch Judgment at Nuremberg, you're you're taken on a ride, and specifically the scene where we see actual shots from these concentration camps, uh, and and that's where you have the dialogue of you know ninety thousand in in Hungary, hundred thousand in this area of Poland, two million in this area of Poland. You know they just go through the line of all these people who have died in different countries around Europe, you know, 150,000 in Holland, another 20,000 in Germany. You're like, you can't handle it. Your brain starts to wear and tear, but it's so fucking necessary to see. When I, when I was rewatching it, I was like, this, this, this is a best picture winner. When I think best picture, you know, and everything that goes along with that, that, that conversation of, well, what's best and what, what does that really mean? How do you award art? this is how you award art right here. Like this movie is way more important than these other four movies, way more important. It's not even close. Again, I love the hustler, but yeah, I mean, you don't, it's not going to change you guns of Navarone. They're using fictional cities in it. Uh, West side story. Yeah. Fanny. Yeah. Judgment at Nuremberg is like, sit down and please watch this movie. Please, please, please. I don't think it's available on a streaming service right now, but you own it. So you let me borrow it. And I, I was just like, holy fucking hell, Connor was right, you know? Because that first time I watched it, I think I was so appalled. And I was so, like, I, like, quivered, you know? I was like, ugh. And then the second time, I was ready for what I was getting into. And I just, I could not deny it. This is number one. This is a number one movie from this year. This is one of the only times I've ever given a film a 10 right out the gate. I've, there was no other score that, that I would do. This thing changed me. I was... I remember my experience like it was yesterday, just watching this thing and being like, this is an incredible courtroom drama. And then seeing footage of this concentration camps and having Maximilian Schell try to have to justify like the survival of Germany going forward, not Nazi Germany, but regular Germany. Like, you know, it reminds you that the first country Germany invaded was Germany. Like, Mm. You know, Hitler took power and turned Within. that country into something ugly. And yeah, a legacy they'll never be able to fully get rid of. Um, but if films like this are important because you need to understand the global consequences, the aftermath, and the importance of finding a way to never let this happen again. It's crucial historically and socially, this movie. 
I'll never understand how somebody could watch this and then West Side Story and think, oh, the best picture award goes to the fucking Peacock Dancing Musical. No, it, this <laughs> Judgment in Nuremberg is unlike anything I've ever seen. Uh, and it's a, it's a straight up masterpiece. One of the greatest films of the 20th century. One of the greatest films I've ever seen. And mm. I'll, I'll definitely, I'll push this film forever. It's lights out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the cast, Spencer Tracy, Burt Lancaster, Richard Widmark, who comes out of the gates fucking blazing, guns up blazing. And you're like, oh, okay. All right. This isn't a few good men. Okay. <laughs> this is not your typical uh, courtroom drama. Judy Garland, Maximilian Schell, Montgomery Clift, William Shatner, Warner Klimperer, who's amazing as a mule Han. Holy shit. Everyone is bonkers good. Uh, also, I love Marlene Dietrich as Mrs. Bertholdt. She is fantastic. Uh, I, yeah, this is, this is one of the better movies we've covered uh, recently on this show. That's, that's for sure. I, I really wish it would have won so it could be the film we're giving awards out to, but we will one day. We've, we've hinted at it. It's going to happen at some point. When we've talked about these actors within this movie from other movies, we're always like, oh man, that movie's good. You know, like it's just one of those where we, we both are kind of like, oh fuck, like you have to buckle up for this kind of, this kind of a film. I really wish it was on something. I really wish HBO Max or Prime or whatever could, would have it so people could, could, could check it out. It, it is, it's lights out, like you said. Um, I have both Hustler and Judgment at Nuremberg at, at a nine. Both could easily be 10 on, you know, on, on a different day. Right. Uh, but Nuremberg, I, I, I'm with you. I, I do think it is a masterpiece and uh, I, I will be watching it again in the future. It's just not, not something that's ever going to escape me. Yeah. It's one of those films that just stays with you. Um, yep. Although I think going forward, I think we should do the hustler first. Cause I think that would be a little bit more fun for us. Judgment is going to be sad as fuck to go yeah, through. Yeah. Again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it'll, it'll be a while before we do any of these but I, yeah. i'm with you the hustler is like is just like fucking yeah fuck yeah american movies are awesome right and judgment at nuremberg is like okay you know like, buckle up you have to really buckle up and settle in this is not for uh a light stomach it's not one of those movies where you're like oh i'm just gonna watch it whenever uh, you really have to sit down first off you have to set aside three hours because you're watching this thing straight through there's no way you're gonna be like Oh, I'm going to go get some food now. You know, that's not, that's not happening with Nuremberg. So I, I, yeah, anybody I've talked to, uh, they're like, Oh, have you seen, have you seen this? Have you seen that? No, I'm watching a bunch of 1961 movies for this podcast I'm doing. And they're like, Oh, like what, 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 what movies? And you know, judgment Nuremberg's always the one that they are like, huh? Okay. I think, I think maybe I need to check that out. I'm like, yeah, you do. You fucking do. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. This is, um, this is why we do it to find films like this. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. This is why. This is why we've done it. This is why we've always done it. And then it's so nice to have a lane to to talk about it. I love that this movie has come in some sort of full circle from doing that Judy Garland episode on Filmgasm way back when to now, uh, you know, being able to kind of let it let it stir in your soul and, and in your mind and being able to really talk about it here and call it the best movie undoubt un, like no question in my mind the best movie from this group oh yeah definitely and it just it bugs me so much that 
it's West Side Story that has the legacy. That's West Side Story that has 10 wins. It's West Side Story that's getting remade by Steven Spielberg. Not that I want Judgment of Nuremberg to be remade, but the fact that people are still talking about it 60 years yeah. later, whereas Judgment of Nuremberg has kind of become like a niche film that only like a certain, you know, certain people have sat through. I don't like that. I, this film deserves more. That's that, that that's the name of the game that we play. You know, it's um, it, it, it just shows you. And, and, and I don't want to I don't want to be a total dick here, but I think that <laughs> I'm, I'm about to be I'm about to sound like a pretentious douchebag. But the, people. People have a much easier time watching this pretty tame, whatever love story. That's a musical in New York City versus this gritty realistic courtroom drama that makes your gears grind like hard West Side story. You're like, Oh, that was nice. And you know, uh, that was a good time. Uh, uh, It's a, it's a, it's fucking popcorn, you know, it's popcorn. And Nuremberg is like film. (laughs) It's, it's, it's so much greater than I I hate to sound that way because I make fun of people who talk like that, but this is an example of that where a movie that, really makes you tick and really makes you question things and think about history. And like you mentioned, think, think about the geopolitical, uh, the, the, the traumatic toll that it had on so many human beings and still has, and st- still will have for years and years to come. That's so much harder to do than to watch a musical so much harder. You and I are in, are in a, uh, are in a, we're in a different boat where we're like, give it give it all to me i'll watch everything we're uh admittedly we're i think we're both very desensitized from the amount of horror movies and weird you know weird genre movies we've watched and weird thrillers and suspense movies that we put ourselves through i think most people are just like i want to have fun i want to have fun and so they watch the hustler they watch west side story and i can't blame them for that but i really wish people would would push that boundary just a little bit yeah, well said. I think that's a good place to to end this on that. Uh, let's recap our uh, our countdown. Yeah, yeah. And go ahead and give your score for each one because we have the exact same countdown. Yeah. Uh, number five was Fanny, which I gave a four. Number four was West Side Story, which I gave a six. Number three was The Guns of Navarone, which I gave an eight. Number two was The Hustler, which I gave an eight. Number one was Judgment at Nuremberg, which I gave a 10. Okay, so four, six, eight. Eight, ten. Yeah. yeah. Not 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 exactly what you want from a best picture category. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, uh yeah. I yeah, I, I also have Fanny, uh, also a four out of ten. Uh, then I have West Side Story, a seven out of ten. Then I have Guns of Navarone, uh, eight out of ten, the hustler, a nine out of ten, and judgment Nuremberg, a nine out of ten. On any given day, could move up to a ten. I I I I don't know. Uh, very, very good movies up at the top between those two. Um, yeah, we're going to give awards out to West Side Story. I know it sounds like <laughs> we probably want, we probably do have in our back pocket the awards that we would want to give out to Judgment at Nuremberg. I know I do, but, uh, but, but we're, you know, West Side Story is, is the, is the big one, you know, that, that we've spoken about plenty of times already throughout the episode that Spielberg's remake is out now. You can go see it in theaters and we do want to shine a light on some things that we do enjoy from this movie. So I'll let you take it away with your uh, Tarantino award. Uh, the best quote or line from the movie. Uh, then we can do Enyo, uh, Enyo Morricone Award, best music moment. Then we can do our Philip Seymour Hoffman. Then we can do our Deacon. So take it away. All right. I do want to preface that 
pretty much um, all of my awards come from the first half of the movie, which I consider to be well better, I think. Uh, yeah, also, that's fair. Also, I'm not completely like checked out at that point. Um, so my Tarantino comes from Lieutenant Shrink, and it's during the War Council. It's when he shows up to bust everybody and instead of just arresting people, he's an asshole. And he says, um, like, Bernardo looks like he's going to throw a punch or something. And he goes, yeah, sure, I know. It's a free country. I ain't got the right, but I got a badge. What do you got? Things are tough all over. Beat it. It's just, it was so relevant still to this day. You know, I've got a badge. What do you got? And it's just, it's a shitty, you know, bulletproof shield to hide behind that lets you be an asshole. And uh, turns out that has always been like that. And we've done fuck all to, to fix that. So got a little got a little real for a moment there in uh, West Side Story. Yeah, I, I chose uh, something sort of similar. It's uh, this is this is more towards the end. I, I'm with you. I think the first about 45 minutes are pretty good, pretty with it and has a good pace. And then it just starts as it gets more as it gets more into the love story. It just starts just falling for me. Uh, but at the beginning, you're like, okay, I kind of like this pace. Uh, but uh, towards towards the end of the film, you have Doc who owns that that like candy store um, where they all hang out, uh, and that's where uh, Tony works. Right? Uh, he's given up his role in the Jets, and he's like, I want to work. I want to be a working man. And you know, all right. Uh, I do like Doc, and Doc at one point says, "When do you kids stop this? You make this world so lousy." And then one of the uh, one of the Jets, his name's Action says we didn't make it doc and for a second there just like that scene with the with the with the bat the badge scene just for a second it's like oh let's get serious and let's talk about what this movie is trying to represent and talk about and confront and then it just goes back the other way it does it keep it does that over and over where it's like no we don't want to get too serious because then people will get disinterested and, and they just want to see the songs and the dance i think you and i are in the boat of no there's some good stuff here there's some interesting things you can do here. And maybe Spielberg's will go more in that route. Yeah. Maybe. There's a few lines from the movie where are like, oh, okay, here we go. And then it just immediately goes back to Tony, like just being a fucking, being a fucking dork, you know? And, and I, 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 I don't, I don't like it for that. I don't respect it for that, that stuff within the screenplay, within the dialogue. Yeah. I'm with you, man. I've, I've heard that the new one is I mean, some people are calling it better. And yeah. uh, I want to know what, what what's better. Like, is there more substance? Are the songs like, I don't know. As, I think just the fact that he's got Puerto Ricans playing Puerto Ricans, that, that makes it better. But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Morricone uh, is the one song in this movie that honestly, I find myself randomly humming because it's catchy as fuck. And that is America. Mm. Okay. Um, I had to, so I um, I'm a student teacher at my college, and I uh, help facilitate a history 1320 modern American history class. And my teacher used this song as a way to introduce us to the 60s, and I thought that was really cool uh, oh. because this is a song about how hard it is to be an immigrant in America in the 20th century. And how, you know, sure, America looks great on the outside, but once you're there, 
they treat you like shit because <laughs> mm-hmm. you're different. And um, I like to, you know, seeing uh, Rita Moreno's perspective on America and then George Chikiris's perspective on America. Like, and they're both right for their own reasons. It's a, it's a catchy song. It's an insightful song. And I wish the movie had had more of this. Yeah, I, 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 I totally understand that. That's a good shout. I think that is one that sticks with you. Uh, after the film, like you said, you hum it, you know, it's just got that, that catchiness to it, but it also has some, some depth to it. Uh, my Inyo pretty much goes hand in hand with my Deacon. So I kind of want to wait to talk about both of them at the same time. So go ahead and give us your PSH. Okay. Uh, I felt uh, Rita Moreno won this movie. hundred uh, percent. I'm with you on that. As Anita, she's the best character, the most, the most interesting has this weird spark, which is like why you watch, why you watch movies in general for those, those spark performances. And she has it. I love what she has to do throughout the film. I love uh, how she treats Bernardo. I love how she treats, you know, her, her family, friends, boyfriend. I love all that stuff about her. I think she, the way she handles things is, is very cool. And I do love that. She's going to be in the new one. Very cool. Yeah, um, I do want to point out, fun fact, we are recording this on her 90th birthday. So Insane. It's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I think she's one of the few characters in this film who really understands how the world works and is, uh, you know, flaunting it. Like, she doesn't let people step on her. She doesn't, like, I like she's constantly reminding her boyfriend, like, I'm an American now. Don't talk to me like that. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I like that. And uh, there aren't a lot of, you know, take charge female characters at this point in Hollywood. So it's cool to see some. Mm. I hear that. That's uh, that's probably why I was drawn to her. You know, when you're watching '60s movies, it's very, very rare to have someone like Anita within yeah. the movie and, and play such a vital role. So, yeah, yeah most of you. the time you get a fanny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh Christ, that's <laughs> fanny. I don't think I don't think we'll ever. The only time we'll bring up Fanny ever again is just to bash it. That's it. Yeah, we won't, I have a we, will, we won't ever actually watch it again. We won't ever give it any sort of respect. Sorry. <laughs> bar for Best Picture nominees has been set pretty damn low. So going forward, this might actually help me appreciate a lot more movies. <laughs> That's true. You're like, hey, it's never as bad as Fanny. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that so that's that's your PSH. That's mine as well. Uh, my Enyo and my Deacons, like I said, go hand in hand. Uh, the Inyo would be the prologue for Act One, and that's where you have the <laughs> very cool, very good. And that's when you see the jets for the first time. They're all snapping, and they're not talking at all. You know, in that, that first you know five minutes, there's no, there's not really any any dialogue. They're just dancing around, and they run into the sharks, and then they're chasing each other around. And it's very cool because you can see. How this was very much a play and how they're using these alleyways. They're using these, this playground to kind of move around each other. And that's also when you have to confront that, that elephant in the room of, um, okay, these guys are like looking at each other and putting up their fists, but then they just dance. <laughs> so it's, it's this make or break type scenario in the movie. And for me, I, I, this time around, I was like, okay, I, I get it a little bit more. I'm not, a, I'm not like a theater kid. I'm not someone who ever did that kind of stuff. I never, never have really learned how to properly dance. You know, I don't have this, I don't have this tremendous uh, respect for, for this craft because I don't really get it. 
that doesn't mean it can't be effective, you know, for, for any viewer. And, and my deacons would be that initial, the, the overture, uh, and you have some pretty good music there, and you, there's the lines of New York, and then those opening shots of New York City from up above are fucking lights out. That could be a short film, and I would watch it every goddamn day. And you have that weird, eerie, it's also part of the song, Prologue Act One, uh, that eerie like whistle that like i know what you're talking about it's so bizarre and so strange and such a cool touch for a movie as big as this it's something you feel like should be inside of like a david lynch film and you're like what (laughs) what is this you know it's very cool very cool stuff i i love that song and those shots of new york and that initial reaction we have to uh also did you realize uh there's a, a twin peaks uh uh reunion between Tony and, and Riff, they're both characters in Twin Peaks. Really? Yeah. Uh, um, what's his name? Russ, Russ Tamblin plays Riff. He's, um, he's that weirdo doctor who like lives out in the woods uh, in Twin yeah. Peaks. And then um, uh, what's the fucker's name? Richard. Uh, I, just ha- I just had it up. What's that fucker's name that plays Tony? Uh, um. Uh, starts with a B. Richard, I can't Richard even... Bamer. Yeah, he plays. He plays the guy who owns the fucking hotel, who's running the hotel. So we have a Twin Peaks reunion <laughs> inside of West Side Story, even though West Side Story is fucking thirty years before. <laughs> That's I, I, did, I, I did. I cracked up at that. I was like, "Oh my god!" It's Riff and Tony are in Twin Peaks. Uh, <laughs> that 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 beginning first five minutes of the movie, I really like. I really dig, and I I, I think it's kind of weird and different and makes you really confront what you're watching. And I love that part of movies, you know, an introduction to a movie can be, can be so important. And, and I responded to it when I was rewatching it. I was like, damn, this is really cool. That and the, well, I'll let you do your Deacon. So I don't want to step on it, but there's another scene I really do like. I love that in this two and a half hour long movie, your best scene was the, like the first five minutes. Yeah, yeah. No, it literally, it's literally nothing to do with the movie. It's just shots of New York, of New York City. I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. These are, this is, the cinematography is so impressive for its time. And I just, I was just blown away, blown away by that. Um, my Deacons is another musical number. Uh, I didn't expect it to be, but I, I was surprised at how this kind of touched me. Uh, tonight. Okay. Yeah. When uh, Tony and Maria confess their love for one another that has grown so deeply in these past 45 minutes. Yeah. I mean, and um, yeah. <laughs> just the, the, the lyrics and the, the vibe here, it really captures the feeling of what it feels like to fall in love for, like for the first time. And I do, I, I did think that was very touching and uh, yeah, there's just, there's so much potential here for like what could have been something unique and unforgettable which which it is for so many people and good for you if you if you have that but i just i don't yeah 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 i i I hear everything the huge fans are saying choreography is fucking lights out the costume the production design the cinematography and i agree with all that but then there's other things you can't just add those things up and that's it you have to have yeah yeah like you talked about earlier the characters the plot those things really matter but I, that initial, I wish the movie would call it what it is. Like you pointed out at the very beginning of this episode, 
that it's not love at first sight. It's lust at first sight when they see each other at the gym. I love that scene. That scene is fucking lights out when they're all dancing around each other and they're in the circles and they're like, no, I'm not fucking going near the sharks. And the sharks like, I'm not going fucking near the jets. You know, I'm not dancing with those bastards. And that is, there is something cool about that because they're in a dance, you know, (laughs) that's where you're supposed to dance. But when you're just dancing in the middle of the streets, it's it's a little different, you know? (laughs) Uh, I do really like that scene. I like how everything gets blurred out except for Natalie Wood and Richard. How do you say it? Bamer? Bamer. Bamer. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking Tony. Uh, I do like, I do like that scene a lot. I like, I like how it is visually. The choreography is bonkers in that scene. So I have a lot of respect for that one, but yeah, I mean, you can kind of talk about it forever. You know, a movie like West Side Story, just the stature it has, the longevity that it's had getting a remake by again, maybe America's most important filmmaker of all time. Those things matter. Those things do add up to something really special. And uh, I'm glad we got to kind of dive into why we have problems with it as fans of movies uh, on on this episode 80. Lots of fun. Yeah, absolutely. As I stated in my uh, countdown, uh, this is a six for me. Uh, It's just, it's hard to, to get over some of that stuff. And I'm, this is probably the last time I'm going to watch this. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I don't see any time in the next like 10 years that I would want to want to watch it. I don't know. Unless someone's like, man, we have to watch West side story. I, I just don't see that happening. You know, I don't see that. I don't see that scenario coming about. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, next week for sure is going to be a lot more uh, better paced at the very least. Yes, 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 yes. A movie that we both really, really, really like. Uh, Tomorrow, of course, like you said, you and Caleb will be talking about some new releases on Sneak Preview on Filmgasm this Wednesday. Super exciting. We're going to be talking about Spider-Man from 2002 because after Sneak Preview, it's officially Spider-Man week. The new Spider-Man film is coming out. And a, a one that's highly anticipated, I think, uh, I think is going to be a straight up event at the theaters this, this upcoming, this next weekend. I think people are ready to see this film. I think, yeah. you know, we've had, we've had, you know, WandaVision and Loki, and we've had now Hawkeye, we've had Black Widow and Shang-Chi and Eternals. None of that even comes close to how I think people are going to respond to Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man in theaters uh, on Thursday, coming out this Thursday. And so, uh, if you if you want to you know get tickets now because uh, <laughs> I, I really do think this is going to be a straight up event and so we're gonna do doing doing Spider Man two thousand two on Filmgasm is a shout out to a movie that we we love at Filmgasm that we adore Sam Raimi's Spider Mans have their own place in, in cinematic history we can't wait to talk about that one uh, and on Oscar Sunday next week we're gonna stay in the Spider Man world you know and ha- have fun with it so we're gonna do. The animated film from 2018, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which won Best Animated Feature Film, wasn't nominated for anything else. Uh, It's not easy for animated movies to go outside of that animated uh, category. That's kind of why they made it. So I love this movie, and I can't fucking wait to rewatch it. I can't wait to talk about it with you, man. It's going to be so much fun. This is a movie where the the awards are going to be uber difficult to choose. It's a movie I've rewatched multiple times. I love the music. I love the vocal performances. I love the way it looks like a comic book is flying out at you. It's going to be so much fun, but I'm looking forward to everything Spider-Man this week, you know, rewatching Spider-Man movies, talking about 2002, Sam Raimi stuff, 
going back and watching the Andrew Garfield ones, which have been hated on a little too much, I think. I actually think they're okay movies. Uh, and, you know, talking about animated Spider-Man. It's going to be great. I can't wait. Ah, Spider-Man week. Yeah, this is a long time coming. This movie, mm-hmm. one of the most anticipated of all time. I mean, the rumors surrounding this thing are yep. insane. If a fraction of it is true, this is going to be a monster. Um, yeah, yeah, that's such a great point that movies that get, because uh, now, you know, you have, you know, when something like West Side Story came out in 1961 or, or even something like fucking Forrest Gump from 1994, it's all about word of mouth and people being like, you have to get to the theater. Now, if you look at Reddit and Twitter and all these things, people are just fucking losing their minds over the teasers and the trailers for Spider-Man because you're like, wait, is that Willem Dafoe? Wait, is that Alfred Molina? You know, and all these people are going to come back. And it's, it's so cool to be a part of that, to be a part of that time in movie making, right? Where the anticipation is so high because we know, we, we know somewhat what's coming. And it's just kind of like a buckle up scenario where it's like, here we go. I feed me, feed me that shit. I got to see green goblet again. (laughs) Oh man. I'm yeah. This is a movie clearly made for the long time. Spider-Man fans who've been there from the beginning. Mm. And I'm, I'm (laughs) going to, it's going to be unbelievable. I, I I like to think I know what to expect, but I don't think I have a clue. Right. And that's the best part is like, you know, all these things are coming, but there's so much in between. You have no idea. (laughs) Beautiful. Well, even though the movie wasn't great, this was fun as always. Yeah. Best picture uh, showdowns are the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll have another one for you in January. Um, yeah. Until, you know, until next week, uh, get your Spider-Man tickets. Of course, if you're just now looking ahead of them, you probably aren't seeing it opening day. But no, you know, go see it. And uh, we'll, we'll see you next week.